last night when I went to bed, I spent a couple of hours just in the Word and just with the Lord and I was actually reminded of what I shared two weeks ago. The challenge that God gave me that I need to be raw. Does anyone remember what the acronym raw stood for? Be real, seek accountability, show worth. Be real, seek accountability, show worth. And that's something God's challenged me with. Sometimes those three things go to the wayside because I don't want to take risk. And today I want to continue to be real, seek accountability and show worth. Not just to the leadership, but to the leadership and to those that are gathering today. Because I was spending a little bit of time with the Lord on Thursday and as we all do at times, having a little bit of a vent. Going, what's going on, God? There's something missing. There's something missing in this scenario, in this space, in our space. There's something not quite right. And the Lord reminded me of a Bible verse. And it's all sort of just, there's a lot of little pieces that have come together to get to this morning. A Bible verse that someone shared with us on the 13th of March this year. Now, I don't expect you to remember what we were doing on the 13th of March this year. But it was a very special Sunday because it was the last day someone was with us. It was the day Joan shared. Now, for those that don't know, Joan is a beautiful old lady who during COVID turned blind, not because of COVID, completely lost her sight from being able to see to not being able to see. And on the 13th of March, it was her last Sunday here before she headed up to her home in Queensland to be closer to family. And she shared a verse. I'm going to share a little bit of a backstory because it sort of will help to see where we're going. About six months earlier, I approached Joan before any of these plans were in place. And I said, Joan, I think God has something for you to share with us as a body. And she was like, you're mad. How on earth can I do that? She said, I have in the past been in that place, but I can't see now. I can't study the Bible. I can't write notes. I can't read from notes. I can't remember what I need to say. Every tool that I've had in my toolkit for being able to share something is gone. And I said, I can see that and I can see it's really hard. But if God wants you to share something, he'll make a way. And I'm happy to make that happen. If you want to do it in 30 second bits and if you want to do it over a period, if, like I'm happy to make that happen. She was like, leave it with me. I'll get back to you. And she wasn't particularly inspired by the idea. So I left it with her. Now unbeknownst to me, the Lord gave her a word for the church. And she waited and she waited. Oh, I'll, I'll jump to another little piece of the story. While we were away a few weeks ago, Tanya and I caught up with Joan and she shared this with us. First of all, she said, I'm really sorry. I forgot about half of what I said, what I I was meant to say, I didn't say. And I said, Joan, don't worry. I think God had something and he used you to share it. But anyway, so she told us that she had a word, but she said, I'll wait for Matt to ask me again. And Matt didn't ask her again. So she went, well, I'll just leave it. 
I'll let it, I'll let it lie. She didn't want to do it anyway. And then when she said, I'm moving, I said, now Joan, about that suggestion I made six months earlier, she was like, hmm, I wondered if you were going to ask. <laughs> she let go of it. But in the back of my mind, I hadn't. I just didn't want to be cruel to an elderly blind person who's very restricted and say, put her in an uncomfortable position. But she was like, okay, I'll do it. But what God reminded me of on Thursday is that that day was actually a very complicated day. We had technical issues. Joan couldn't be here in person because of her health. So she was on Zoom. The Zoom was cutting in and out. We didn't hit record on the system. There were other issues in the church life that were, 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 were challenging. And God said, you didn't pick up what I put down for you. There was something that day that I had for you that you've missed as a body. And I was reminded of telling Joan that she had a word for the body and it was good. And yet on Thursday I reflected and went, hmm, we didn't treat God's word with the honour it was deserved. We missed it. Now before you berate yourselves, I want to share what Joan shared with you because it's relevant to how we see ourselves and it's really significant. But I do believe we're in a place now. We've had our little technical hiccups this morning. Thank you, Lockie, for saving our internet. <laughs> Everyone online dropped off because our internet fell over. But we have our technical issues. I believe there's people that aren't here that need to hear this because I think this is really important for us individually and as a body moving forwards. And I think God does want to tell us something. Can anyone remember the Bible verse that Joan shared? It's from 2 Corinthians. And the main verse is chapter 4, verse 7. But I'm going to go a little bit before that and a little bit after it. Just have a listen to this. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Let me read out what Joan said on that day. I tend to think of my vessel as something rather like my father's little jug. She told a story, an illustration of a, of a jug her father had made just from the clay in the backyard. With lumps and bumps and all kinds of failures. It doesn't matter how much green paint we splash onto it, which her father did. We can't hide our failures 
and that we're not a very successful jug with an inside that's really a disgrace for a jug. But when we think about the glory of God in us, we tend to think we're stopping that glory being seen by what we are. But in fact, the glory of God is described by Paul as a light brighter than the sun. I don't know about you, but I can't imagine a light brighter than the sun. I can't look at the sun, so how can I imagine a light brighter than the sun? We have this treasure in us, the glory of God. I think that's incredible. I think if we think about it, we'll stop worrying so much about our exterior and the way that we fail because the passage says that God deliberately puts his glory into these clay vessels so that his power will be seen to be his and not ours. I think that's an amazing thing. And I think God wants to say something to us today. It wasn't a mistake that he deposited his divine nature, his treasure, his glory, his power, his light, however you want to describe it, into you, a flawed vessel. When you think about yourself, and when you even reflect on the fact that you can't remember that God shared something with us in March, we often get deflated, we often get discouraged, we often even go as far as hating ourselves for who we are. And yet when you think about this verse, when you think about what Joan shared, God deliberately chose you because you weren't special, you weren't put together, you weren't amazing, to deposit something amazing to show you how loving and how merciful and how powerful and brilliant he is. He wanted to show you how significant he is, not how put together you are. I think we really need to hear that this morning. I think we need to understand and realise that when we berate ourselves, when we, when we, when we feel so discouraged and, and just we feel like failures, God says, you are qualified to carry my spirit, my divine nature, my power. You are qualified even though you are merely like a clay jar. Notice what he doesn't do. He doesn't butter up the clay jar. He doesn't say how amazing the clay jar is. But on the flip side, if you think about a clay jar and you think about treasure, the clay jar is capable of holding the treasure, isn't it? It's functional enough to hold the treasure. It just doesn't feel worthy to hold the treasure. It feels out of place. It feels like there's a disconnect. 
because surely treasure should be in a gold vase, not a clay jar. Surely this uncomfortable situation of such amazing power and godly brilliance deserves more than a clay jar. And God says, no, that is wrong. That is a wrong way of thinking. That is not my design. That is not how I planned it to be. I planned it to be in functional, day-to-day, chipped, bland clay jars. That's my plan. And you are my plan. You are my plan. You're not my second option. You're my first option. Do not undermine my plan. Do not mock my idea when you berate yourself and when you put yourself down and when you say I'm a loser and when you say that I'm not good enough and I stuffed up again and I'm... God says, I know. I already knew that. That's not a surprise to me. He says, if you're not convinced, look at my design for being God among you, Emmanuel. He sent his son into the back blocks of the middle of nowhere, announced to who? Some shepherds on a hill, nobodies, to a mother who was a nobody in an era of a group of people who are a tribe who are oppressed and nobodies. Do you get the picture? He sent his divine, holy, perfect, amazing presence in the form of Jesus, to nobodies. And then what did Jesus start teaching and preaching? Nobodies are somebody. What did Jesus challenge? The one thing Jesus challenged, well, he challenged a few things, but the main focus was those who tried to turn God's good plans into a hierarchy system of those that have made it and those that haven't. He, he rebuked the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law because they took God's good plan and turned it into a control mechanism to make people feel bad. His focus was on saying, no, you don't have it together. No, you're not perfect beings. No, you are plain jars. But I choose you. I say you are qualified. Not perfect, not altogether, but you are qualified. Now, some of you who know your scripture We'll go, but there's more to this picture. Absolutely. Absolutely. Peter talks about the divine nature causing us to to live a different way. Absolutely. But if you don't understand the first part of who he chooses to give the divine nature to, the second part gets warped and twisted. And that's what the Pharisees did. They got the second part without the first part. And that is, yes, you do change. Yes, there is you know, new wine and new wineskins. Yes, you are a new creation. There's, there's a whole heap of things that flow out of this. But if you don't get this step right, if you don't understand that your failure, that your shortcomings is not your definition, that's actually how you are because that's where God meets you, 
you cannot understand the rest. You can't understand transformation if, you, if you're not okay with having an amazing treasure and gift from God in a place of being incomplete and broken. That has to be the first part. And for a lady who I would suggest is in her 80s, I've never been brave enough to ask, who is an amazing, spiritual, deep, I've never walked away from a conversation with Joan without feeling spiritually uplifted. It blows my mind. Nobody else on this planet have I experienced that with. But with Joan, I have never failed to walk away without feeling spiritually uplifted. But for her to say, I, I'll use her words, it doesn't matter how much green paint we splash onto it, you can't hide our failures and that we're not a very successful jug with an inside that's really a disgrace for a jug. But she also knows the amazing presence of God with her who has redeemed and restored and given her a new hope and an anchoring. For those that don't know, Joan's life, but her recent years, has not been easy. Has not been easier. She's had grandkids die in fires two years ago. She's had, she's an academic. To take eyesight away from an academic is torture. She studied Greek and would read Greek every day to keep up her, her, her remembering of study. She, she can't. All of those things, her independence. She had a, an amazingly gifted husband, but he was quite a dominant guy. And so after he died, she had to rediscover what it meant to be herself and independence, gone, blind, can't do any of that. She knows she's a clay vessel and yet her word for us is a word that she has lived. She knows she's just a clay vessel but she also knows the amazing treasure that has been deposited into something that is not perfect. And that is so important. I was reminded the other day in a conversation with someone. Jesus said the two greatest commandments were what? Love the Lord your God and love your neighbour as yourself. We have very little love to offer someone else if we don't actually say ourselves right first. Because it says love your neighbour as yourself. But if you see yourself like a useless clay jar that isn't worthy of, being, of, of, of holding God's treasure, how are you going to look at others? You're going to look at them as worthless clay jars, unworthy of holding treasure. And I was confronted with that on Thursday because I do that sometimes. I look at the performance of people rather than the treasure they hold. I look at their, their clay jar and I go... That's really annoying. Of course it is. God never said it wasn't going to be. Because they're a clay jar like I'm a clay jar. And if I don't see myself as a clay jar that is still credible enough to hold 
the treasure of God's glory, of his divine nature, then how can I see someone else and say to them, yes, you're a clay jar, but you are worthy of the presence, of the power of the glory, of the gift of new life in Christ. And that is how I'm going to see you. But how can I say that if I don't see myself like that first? We fight internally. We often fight for a sense of value. But God says... You're valuable not because of your performance, but because I've created you as a vessel good enough, not perfect, but you are created capable of carrying his presence. That was your design. That was his design for you. Not that you would have it together, not that you wouldn't make mistakes, not that you wouldn't fail, All those things don't disqualify you from being able to carry his presence. When we think about coming to Jesus, Jesus often said, repent and believe. And I think we need to do that this morning. We need to repent and believe. Because I think we did miss it. Not that I'm braiding myself for you because we're clay jars. We carried some, we we were given a gem and we carried it, but we didn't acknowledge it. But to repent means to say we want to do something different. And in this case, I think we need to believe that God's word is true. It's not to say, pat ourselves on the back and say we're amazing, but it's to say with, with sober judgment, God, you are amazing and you chose me worthy enough to carry your presence. I am eligible. I'm not perfect. I desperately need your presence. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Yes, when you look to your own power, it's fleeting. But God is enough. God's power is enough. We have this treasure in us, the glory of God. I think that's incredible. I think if we think about it, we'll stop worrying so much about our exterior and the ways that we fail because the passage says that God deliberately puts his glory into these clay vessels so that his power would be seen to be his and not ours. I think that's an amazing thing. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. Lord, we thank you for your graciousness 
that even though this isn't the first time you've told us this, you so graciously and gently remind us of the things that we didn't pick up that we should have. I thank you so much for that, Lord. I thank you for demonstrating this week this picture, Lord God, that even though as clay vessels we're not glamorous, we're not all put put together, you still choose to deposit gems, treasures, your glory, your truth, your hope into our lives. I thank you that you're doing that today, Lord. And Lord, we come to you now and say, we're sorry, Lord. We're sorry for not recognising this. We're sorry, Lord, for being distracted. Lord, we're sorry for looking at ourselves differently to the way you see us. Lord, we're sorry for the times that we think we're more than a clay jar. And Lord, we're sorry for the times that we think as a clay jar we are a waste of a creation. But Lord, we come to you today, not because we have it together, but because we want to believe what you're saying to us. We want to believe your truth and your word. And so Holy Spirit, we ask that you would do a new work in us today. We ask that your power would be living and active in us today as vessels. We ask today that you would help us believe your word, that you would help us believe your truth. Lord, we want to be people that walk in your ways. We want to be people that live shining that treasure that you carry with it, that we carry within us, Lord God. Not for our sake. Because there's nothing for us to boast in, Lord God. But Lord, we want to boast in you. We want you to be glorified. And so, Lord, we come and we surrender today. We repent and we believe. And we invite you to be God. Not for us, Lord God but we invite you as, with us as vessels, us as clay jars, to receive the treasure that you want to pour out into us today. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.